For CertSecurity.com, I'm Rob Westervelt. You're listening to a special edition of Security Wire Weekly from the Burton Catalyst Conference in San Francisco. In this edition, we'll talk with Diana Kelly of the Burton Group about the PCI DSS audit and how some auditors are selling products and services. Then Dan Jones will talk about the ongoing PCI DSS initiatives at the University of Colorado. Dan is the director of security at the university, and he says PCI DSS is an ongoing process. First, I asked Diana Kelly about the PCI DSS audit. What's the scope of a PCI audit? Can you talk a little bit about that? It's a question we didn't get to. Sure, and that's a great question because in some ways the scope depends on you, the one that's being audited. And by that I mean the Qualified Security Assessor, QSA, that comes in to do your audit has to follow the security audit procedures, which sync to the 12 requirement steps within PCI DSS. Now, how big your payment ecosystem is is very much the responsibility of the merchant or the the vendor because or the the retailer because if you haven't done any zoning or firewalling of your payment ecosystem then your entire network could potentially be in scope i have you know highly recommend don't do that that's not a good thing so scope down the payment ecosystem make sure that what's the systems that are handling the credit card information and transactions are cordoned off from the rest of your network in their own separate zone so that that way the scope is going to be limited to um, what's in there. And then for more information on the scope, um, merchants, retailers, and, and payment service providers can look at the security audit procedures. I, I highly recommend reading that rather than just the DSS because the audit procedures are what the assessors come in and use when they're doing the PCI audit. It's because you're a real good handle on what it is they're looking for to, to be able to say this is or this isn't in compliance. There, it, there seems to have been some confusion about some auditors interpreting the rules differently. Yeah, so so I think you're, you're talking about the subjectivity of the audit process, and you know PCI was was really um, hailed as, as one of the the few, and it's it's not a regulation, but it's a you know a, a standard issued by a, a an organization, but it was one of the first few. Um, standards that had come out that was very prescriptive. I mean, you know, PCI gets to the level of you have to have antivirus, you have to have intrusion detection. And that's a level of prescription that we hadn't seen in, you know, some of the other um, controls that had come out. You know, I realize HIPAA is a regulation, but, you know, but some of the other controls that we'd seen. So everybody's like, oh, this is great. But when you really look at the security audit procedures, there are areas where you can have different levels of interpretation or subjectivity. So monitoring, for example, where it says you have to monitor the log files and somebody has to review the log files. Well, some security assessors uh, feel perfectly comfortable if it's a syslog pointed at a syslog aggregator and there's some sort of, of review, could be a you know, script that reviews that every single um, day that, that a human then checks over. I've heard some other assessors say, well, just pointing a syslog isn't necessarily secure, so you need to go over and above that. You have to have a more secure mechanism for gathering the log information. You have to have um, a more complex um, review of the logs than just scanning through the aggregated syslogs, for example. So 
And if you read the security audit procedures, uh, you know, it it doesn't get to the level of prescription where you could say one of those is wrong, one of those is is right. Another area of of potential subjectivity, which is a best practice right now but becomes a requirement next year, is the the alternate um, in a six about the web applications where you can either have some uh, party review the source code or you can have, um, or the code itself, or you can have an application layer firewall. Well... An application layer firewall isn't a web application firewall. And they didn't put in wording that said specifically web application firewall. So this has caused some consternation on the PCI assessors list because there are um, some, some groups where, where you know, there are questions around, does this mean application layer? Because application layer could be um, a Cisco PIX, for example, because there is application layer awareness. A web application firewall is a very, very different thing than just application layer. So if you've installed application layer firewall, will your assessor take that? Or has your assessor interpreted application layer to mean the implied web application firewalls? Things like that. Is it easy for companies to choose an auditor? And I think you told me at one point that um, you've heard of companies being pitched by auditors for products. Is that... Yeah, so, so when you're choosing an auditor, there's a list at the Security Standards Council site that you can go to that actually tells you who's on their QSA. So if they're not on the Qualified Security Assessors list, they haven't passed the Security Standards Council approval process to be a, an assessor. Um, but So you can pick, so pick off of that list, definitely. But then the other piece of your question, which was around, you know, are, are, is there proper enforcement of separation of duties? And the answer to that, unfortunately, at this point, from the reports I've heard, no. Uh, there are some assessors who are actually trying to pitch at the same time that they're pitching the assessment process, they're pitching, we will also go in and remediate for you, or we will pass you if you purchase this specific product from us, because that will meet um, PCI. If that occurs to your organization, that's a big red flag. The QSAs are there to do the PCI compliance assessment. That's what they're there to do. Now, they may give you some guidance around, in order to remediate, probably want to talk to this company or that company or look at this particular kind of control because see here in the the audit procedures it said, for example, correct key management, you're not doing that. So they can give that kind of guidance. But if they say, pay us to fix it and we'll pass you or buy this product from us, that's really stepping outside of the bounds. And if you do have a QSA that does that, um, you should definitely report it to the Security Standards Council. They do have a process that allows for reports of you know, improper behavior and also um, consider going with a new QSA um, as well. Because if you look at the DSS, although there's a vendor alliance out there, the vendor alliance isn't, they're just a, a, a vendor group that says their products will help with DSS. But if you look at DSS itself, the strict letter of DSS, there is no single product, specific product, that is their technology buckets. So they say firewalls. They say intrusion detection. But they don't say a firewall from checkpoint. So if somebody says you have to buy this from a particular vendor, no, it just has to be be a, a firewall, something that's considered a real firewall. It doesn't have to be from a specific vendor per se. So anybody trying to pitch you a specific product, there's nothing in the DSS that, that says one specific product has to be used. Next, in between conference sessions, I met up with Dan Jones. Dan is the director of IT security at the University of Colorado, and he said that PCI DSS has been an ongoing process for the university. Well, I think, you know, one of the challenges has been that students, when they come to the university, expect that you know, they don't have to have cash. 
that's that's the world we're in today. So they're going to want to be able to use their credit card, whether it be to get you know to pay for two dollars for copies uh, or to um, pay their tuition or books. So you know the the need to maintain credit card processing is intrinsic to most university functions, and you know that's part of a, a you know what you don't want to do is drive away your customer from that point of view because they don't like the hassle of how they have to do business with you. So in a in a university environment you'll have lots of different people who will need to maintain that as part of their business function. How do you make sure that not only do you allow that business function to occur but then you're centralizing it so that you know you can show compliance so that you can have effective use of your your resources so that rather than spending money on 200 different places that need to process that you you you're spending that investment in one or a few central locations or where are you guys in the compliance process have you have you undergone an audit yet have you chosen an auditor talk a little bit about that yeah so we uh, through our system office uh, we've gone through uh, our first year, and we're, we're now into our second year in terms of uh, compliance audit. Uh, work working with a vendor, the, uh, the local vendor, Coal Fire, who's one of the PCI certified auditors. Uh, we're fortunate in that there's someone local uh, to work with, and so we've we've gone through that first year in terms of working with all the part, the individual departments that maintain uh, credit card processing, whether it be card swipes or electronic. Going through the checklist um, to make sure that they're you know, handling those specific areas to make sure to, that they're in compliance, and then you start through that process again. What's the single greatest challenge? Well, I, I think you know you're you're going from an environment where historically things have been fairly decentralized in, in universities. Um, being able to get people to understand that um, there is a direct business cost to PCI compliance and how do you fold that into for example a research conference that you know it's for that particular researcher they have 50 people come in for this conference a year being able to make it easy for people for those 50 people to come in and register but not add a lot of cost to their small operation uh, I think is, is one of our challenges. Have you been able to narrow the uh, the scope of your data in terms of the amount of credit card data in a specific systems? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been able to, you know, think generally as you go through these efforts, in some sense, because of the nature of PCI, when you sit down with people and you explain to them, here are all the things that you have to comply with, uh, and here's the real cost, then that, by the nature of the, 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 the piece that, that it is when you give them that large packet of data, they say, okay, well, you know, I, I don't want to be in this business. And then you start to pull that, that information in. So uh, make it sound so easy. It's, it's, it's not easy. And, and there's a lot, there's still a ways to go. Um, and you know, there are the challenges, you know, how do you provide those central, um, tools so that, you know, people can, you know, Say, for example, going back to that example of a web conference where they want to be able to host their web conference, personalize that, or you know, uh, for you know, localize it for for their conference, but still use a central service, and and that's you know, you just have to take it from a risk point of view and look at you know what's the scope in terms of you know who are, who 
um, really understanding what's the risk in terms of the the size of that conference or the size of that merchant who's handling credit cards and then looking at how it is that they're not com- compliant compliant and then address those when do you think you're going to be in full compliance well i mean today we're in compliance you are i mean you're all signed off you've, you've undergone yeah we've we've gone through that process our first year with with our auditor you know, the challenge is that it's a dynamic environment and so you know, you'll did you not have a lot of credit card data were you not keeping a lot of credit card data well, for example, on our campus, students today can't use credit cards to pay their tuition. That's something that's changing. Uh, also, as more people, you know, just in, in the nature of, they're doing more collaboration online and things like that. So they're getting more, you know, as people figure out that, gee, I can advertise this conference online. I want to try to streamline these operations. Then you start to get more more types of e-commerce applications and then you end up with more people who have that need to take credit cards um, and so that's part of that changing nature and so it's not that you can say well we're compliant this year um, you're always going to have to be able to handle those new um, uh, applications where people have that business need and so then that new application comes on online you have to go through that assessment it's a constant process then yeah absolutely That ends this special edition of Security Wire Weekly. You can check out our special Burton Catalyst conference coverage page by going to searchsecurity.com and clicking on the conference coverage link. And also check out our other podcast at searchsecurity.com slash podcast. And finally, you can always get the latest news and information at our news page at searchsecurity.com slash news. For now, I'm Rob Westervelt. Have a great day.